Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, Dale Lukeville. Thank you very much for joining me. All right, I got some uh, catching up to do here on my recaps and rants. Um, quickly, I'll bring you up to date here. As I am doing this uh, during a break, the lunch break, while uh, guiding for snow geese. So, uh, might be a little brief. Trying to, I'll try to cram it on. There's a, there's a lot to cover. So, anyways, uh, the last event of the Minnesota Made Outdoors tournament, Panfish Tournament Series, uh, was on Gull Lake. And so, we all, we headed up there. You know, a lot of us got hotel rooms because there's some pretty good hotels up there with like water parks and stuff and they brought the camp the family and kids it was, it was a lot of fun uh we feel our groups uh split like some vrbo's that's what we did we uh joel and i split it with uh, timmy and chris which is pretty sweet a pretty sweet setup and uh so we head up there thursday to start some pre-fishing on this lake and this lake ladies and gentlemen is a beast it's huge i don't know the exact like acreage on it that it's listed. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's big. It's like really big. Um, lot of water to break down. Um, so just kind of just went to it. You know, you, you, you try to break these lakes down. You know, we had the live scope up there. We have cameras. And for me, you know, I love catching fish in the weeds. I mean, that's, that's my favorite thing. I knew this water was pretty clean. And I had caught um, some really really nice bluegills 
and hybrids on this lake um, this past spring. Uh, just fishing, I was fishing for bass, and I kind of stumbled on these fish, and I wanted to catch them, and they're nice. And then that was before we even knew we were fishing gull. Then when I found out we were, I was pretty stoked because I knew what was in it. I didn't, I didn't know what was in it for crappies. So I hadn't caught any crappies yet, but I knew it had good gills. So I was like, well, I know there's good weed growth. I know there's it's clean water. So hopefully, it sets up as a you know a shallow weed bite which is like my favorite. Um, but I was a little concerned. So I'm like, ah. there's like a line um, in, in the state of Minnesota. That if you get far enough north, it seems like no matter how good the water looks, no matter how live the weeds are, the panfish just never go shallow for some reason. I'm not quite sure why that is. But um, I was like, God, you know, Brainerd is kind of like in that, it, like it's, it's it's north but it's not too far north so i wasn't quite sure what we were going to find and so you go up there and, and you you know drill holes we think you're going to find weeds and sure enough there's weeds a lot of it's dead not looking good they're deep weeds though because the water's clear you know you're in like 14 feet and there's plenty of weeds um so it's like well maybe we just gotta find live weeds and you know we did find some fish in the weeds but just not not what you're looking for you know, so it's like we we quickly kind of I wouldn't say abandon the idea of finding fish in the weeds on camera, but it's like okay, we need to we only have a couple days to figure this lake out, and it's a lot of water. So instead of like looking at the whole lake, you know, you kind of like take a bay or you know take something and you kind of break that down, and then you can figure out what's working there. And then you can kind of look at the rest of the lake. Like, okay, you can narrow down your search. So you can basically you can eliminate a lot of water, at least in theory. And that's kind of what we we're doing. So we broke out the live scope and um, finally started finding some fish. And I don't know, cameras just weren't working that great. Um, I think ours is just junky. So we actually had to like fish for them and found lots of little bluegills, but was not finding those big ones. And then like most of Thursday we like didn't find any crappies so I was like getting pretty nervous and then towards Thursday night we were able to find a crappie that might have been Friday I might be mixing those two together but either way it was I was like well this could be brutal and talking to other people they hadn't really found much of anything either it's like oh great this is going to be a tough lake. I don't know how many full bags are going to come in. We'll see. And, you know, we found one spot that had bluegills in it and caught a couple nice ones, but not the giant ones. And so I was kind of feeling confident in the bluegills, but still nothing on crappies. Like, well, this is not good. But we kept looking, and then we finally caught a couple crappies, and they're pretty nice ones. So, you know, 11, 12 inches. I'm like, all right, feeling a little bit better, a little bit better. Now let's take that information and look at the, you know, rest of the lake, try to break this down and checked off some other spots on successfully. And we ended up going back to our other spots and just expanding on that bay and, uh, kind of just getting more like honing that in. Cause we're running out of time. I mean, basically is what it boiled down to Saturday, you know, Joel was out scouting but i had the uh, future anglers of minnesota our last clinic on a nearby lake um roy lake and that was that was fun like they were the fish were biting really good um the kids were awesome 
they caught a ton of fish. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was so much fun. And it was funny, you know, one of the girls I had, Annabelle, she, um, she, she had this, like, she was catching a bunch of fish. Right. And, uh, and she just like seemed to be catching more crappies than bluegills. And so I started calling her the crappie queen and stuff like that. But she was like very like deadpan face. Like, I don't know if she's enjoying herself. Like, did her parents make her do this? I couldn't quite figure it out. Like, she seemed to be having a good time, but there wasn't any, like, laughs or big smiles. And, uh, you know, the other the kid I had, he was catching fish, too. Um, oh, his name is escaping me. Um, crud, sorry. Uh, anyways, he was, he was catching fish, too. Um, the cool thing about him... I was like, I really only had one rod with like a spring bobber on it. And I had Annabelle using that one and he was a little bit older. I'm like, you know what? We're just jumping straight into, uh, advanced techniques. We're going straight to tight line. So I broke out my tight lining rod and I was kind of giving the rundown. And I figured this was a good time because the fish were biting pretty good. So you didn't really need to use a tight line technique per se. Um, but it's just a lot of fun to catch them on that, on that rod and reel. And so I kind of, got him I got him dialed into it actually like he he took to the concept like real quick so I would just sit over his shoulder and I would watch him you know I'm like all right move it jig 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 it all right I think he has it I go but instead of setting the hook just drop your rod tip you know and he would drop it and he would see that slack and I'm like no and then he'd set the hook and the fish would be there so he he really kind of picked up on that really fast and he caught um you know a handful of fish doing that and then the bite kind of got a little tougher um, as more and more, you know, kids were coming out and we're catching more fish out of that school, they kind of started to shut down and it got a little tighter or harder to do the tight line thing for him. And so we swapped over. Um, John had, John Nelson had a, um, a spring bobber rod. So we, we set him up with that and then he continued to catch fish on that. Um, but like every fish, every kid caught fish. It was super fun. Great last event for fam. That was awesome. Tons of great prizes for all the kids. You know, they're giving away prizes for big fish and just random prizes. You spin a wheel and, and get a prize, and it was pretty awesome. Um, and so then, you know, at the end of the day, my parents come back out and pick up their kids. And, again, like, I was like, the thing, Annabelle, is that a fun? The other, Lucas. Lucas was his name. Lucas was having fun, and he really had fun. Like, right, like, we were picking up. Most kids had already picked up, and he's just like, you know, he's, he's the last cast kid. I can tell you right now. Cause he was like the last one with line in the water and ends up hooking into this bass. So he catches like a two, two and a half pound bass <laughs> and just that you want to see some smiles, dude. This kid was like grinning ear to ear. So that was pretty awesome. And you know, I, I was like, I think Annabelle had fun, you know, a couple times. So I get cold. He's like, yeah, I'm cold. You can go warm up if you want. And she's like, no, I'm okay. So she was like toughing it out. And, uh, so her parents get there and you're walking up. And then suddenly she like basically runs up to her family. She's like, you know what my new nickname is? It's crappy queen. And she was like, so excited. I'm like, okay. So she was having a good time. Like, that's awesome. She was pretty proud of that new nickname of the crappy queen. So, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I know fam has, um, we don't have like a set schedule for the summer, but you know, we've been tossing around some ideas of doing some, open water clinics and um some events in the open water so 
if uh, you have kids or anybody has kids, please send them over to the Future Anglers of Minnesota. Uh, there is a website, but we also have a Facebook page, so go follow that, and uh, they can get the updates there, and we can continue to grow that nonprofit. It's um, it's pretty cool, pretty fun. Um, so then we get I have a little bit of time to run back and talk to Joel because we had a little pizza party for the kids and the parents afterwards. To kind of, all right, what's our plan? It's Saturday, right? Tournament's tomorrow. And he's like, we're good. I'm like, we're good? He's like, yeah, we're good. We kind of dialed those crabbies in a little bit more. Um, We've got a few more spots lined up. I'm like, all right, I believe you. We'll take your word for it. And then, uh, so we had to get, we borrowed, uh, well, Joel has a snowmobile. So he grabbed that, and then I borrowed one from Nolan, our buddy Nolan. And that is like lifesaver because the travel conditions on Gull Lake were terrible. Um, tons of snow, um, some slosh. It just, it was not, the, there was people that brought their wheelers up there. They were getting stuck. Um, so we, you know, we kind of knew that we were getting ice reports and snow reports and stuff from up there. So we're like, you know what? We need, we need to line up some snowmobiles. And so we did. And that was awesome. I know a lot of teams did too. Some people rented them, you know, for the day or for the, the time they were up there because you just you just had to i mean if you were on wheeler you were really limited to where you could go like extremely limited and as usual our spots were like couldn't be further from the access so <laughs> the snowmobiles came in real handy and so we kind of concocted this plan because you know we don't have our these snowmobiles tricked out like we do our four-wheelers so i took my big otter sled and we loaded all of our gear in there, our cooler and our rod boxes and our Vexlars and all that stuff, threw it in that sled and put the cover on it. And so Joel's going to take that and pull that. So he can really only go so fast. Well, I didn't have anything on my sled. So I just like, all right, here's the deal. I put like some batteries in a backpack on, and I wore that. And then I strapped the uh, one auger down on the back of the snowmobile. And my plan was like, I'm going to rip there as fast as I can and uh, just start drilling holes until you guys get there and then we'll fish you know at least maybe that'll give us a couple extra minutes you know because it's going to take you know probably a half hour for them to get there i wasn't sure how long it would take me but um i made it there in pretty good time I made it there in like 15 minutes it was the first one on that spot so it started drilling out and uh so they come rolling up and uh we start fishing and really mm, not catching much you know there's little little bluegills not legal, you know, like five inches, six inches, just dinky little things. And then a couple of teams show up there, and I see one team pull in a crappie, and I'm like, <sighs> and it's just not really happening. And I was thinking to myself, I think we need to move. I think we need to go to one of our other spots. Cause, and thankfully, our spots weren't that far. They're like, this is like a bay in a bay, and uh, they're all in that bay in a bay. So we, I, I probably should have said it earlier, but then, you know, saw somebody else catch fish i'm like well maybe we need to stick it out and so we just you know drilled some holes moved around wasn't getting anything and finally we're like we need to make a move so we make a move and not long after we move we catch fish or we didn't we didn't catch fish actually uh we watched um tim and chris catch one chris was like right in front of me like oh crap there's one sorry they're here you know so we kept fishing i think we picked up one or two joel and i in that spot and then that spot kind of died on that off and we went to spot number two 
And there, Joel went on a tear. He got on a good school and was he was catching some really good ones. And uh, I was able to catch some keepers. They got like three, four keepers, but they were like, you know, 10 inches, nothing that you really want away. But at this point, I'm thinking, you know, a bag is just going to be huge. And we only had like a bluegill in our bag at that point in time. So now some teams are also kind of moving around. And our original spot had kind of quieted down. I was like, well, let's go back there. Maybe the lack of pressure, the fish have moved back in. So we went there and tried that and uh, didn't catch any more crappies. You know, we were really trying to, once we caught some good crappies, we were really trying to, like, upgrade. And I think we stayed a little too long trying to do that. Because um, it's just, uh, you know, we are just running out of time. And I went back and I was able to actually catch one decent bluegill. And I think in the process we had like three bluegills in our bucket at that point. And then so we went back to that second spot and nothing. It was nothing but perch in that spot. And finally we're just like, we got to go. We, we got to try something else. So this little uh, smaller lake like just off of gull that we can fish called um, Love Lake. And that's where we had found some bluegills in pre-fishing where we thought we would get our bag. So we knew there'd be some other teams in there. And the weird part about this lake is that all the fish were like right underneath the ice. I mean, right underneath the ice. It's kind of crazy. So we tear off I'm like, well, the good thing about that is it's closer to weigh in and let's just get our bag. That's going to be a big deal. And, uh, that's what we did. We tore off up there and, uh, was able to catch a few bluegills, but nothing big enough, nothing legal to go in their bag. And, um, basically that was the day. So we did not have a full bag. So we had to weigh in, you know, we talked to other people, and we're hearing similar things, but we're also hearing rumblings of a couple mega sacks. <laughs> and we're like, okay, like, we got some good crappies, and they're like, no, like, 15 inches. Like, uh, we don't have those kind of crappies. Like, holy shit. And one of the teams, in like, they said their smallest was like 13 inches or something. I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. Like, we never found crappies of that class. Like, that's like... <sighs> holy shit so we all weigh in and sure enough um tim and bubba weigh this like just great great bag i don't remember what the weight was i think it was 12 pounds and change and uh just i mean yeah they had a really good crappie average and they had some good bluegills in there do believe yeah they had a full bag which is huge too because you get that bonus fish right and especially when you're dealing with crappies that size that's gonna add a lot of weight and then you know it's like Everybody assumed, like, they were a lock. You know, like, that was, like, they had big fish, and you're like, yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be a lock. Well, <laughs> Dan and um, Dan Rawlings and Eddie get up there, and they weigh, and there's a little bit of hesitancy from Jake, and he says, new leader. It's like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Holy shit. And they had, yeah, they, just a mega sack. And, yeah, so they, they had more weight than uh, Bub and Tim. It was still in that 12-pound range, upper 12-pound range. It's just, like, just beautiful fish. And they, the thing is, like, I think I was talking to Bubba, and he's like, yeah, we had, like, we had caught 40 fish We'd in the first hour. I was like, no way. Because, you know, we were struggling to find fish. You know, we finally got our, our crappie limit, but it took, like, half the day and then didn't have any bluegills. Oh, and that was the other thing with Dan and um, Ed is that they went to love, too, with Dan because they were – um, one shy on their bluegills and like right at the end of the day they caught their seventh bluegill so that gave them the full bag and they were able to weigh that extra crappie and without it they would not have won so that's that one little bluegill 
huge. That's just like our little eight and a half inch crappie that Joel caught when we won Clearwater a few years ago. Like that, that one fish just means everything. It's uh, it's pretty badass. So, um, all said and done, um, there wasn't very many full bags weighed. I think we may even have beat a team that had a full bag, but all their fish were small and we had those decent crappies and we ended up coming in sixth place. So pretty cool. Got to pick off the prize table. Um, and I picked up a razor four inch scout auger, which was pretty good because I lost my camera auger this winter straight down a hole. So I was, um, I definitely needed a new one. So now I have one for next year. <laughs> There's your silver lining. And then they just released the uh, final standings uh, like last night. And uh, overall, Joel and I finished in sixth place. So, you know, my goal going into the season was to finish in the top five in every event. And that did not happen. And then uh, I saw it might have a chance to finish fifth overall and that would have been a nice consolation prize but we finished just outside of that sixth place so not terrible um but then we we didn't meet our goals either so we kind of you know on east rush if you remember that one we we kind of went for a hero move it didn't pan out for us i mean it, it did in the way we wanted to you know we decided to do something different, go for our gills first because we had better gills. We did get better gills, but then we struggled finding our crappies and that bit us in the ass. And Yeah, so anyways, um, congratulations to Chris and Tim. They took team of the year. Uh, Well-deserved. Do these guys just grind? Like, uh, there's, I, I don't know if there's anybody that drills more holes than they do. Um, maybe a couple teams that are equal, but, they, I mean, they just – they put in the work, man. They they drill and they drill and they drill and they look and, and they really put in the work and they had a great season. You know, they came in second place on knife. I have to go back and look at all their their finishes, but they were always they were always in the top five. And you know that's kind of what you need to finish for TOI. And then and it uh, and they got it. So I'm real happy for them. That was, it was awesome to see them take that they were man you should have seen those boys before the start of the Gullick tournament they were nervous as can be and then as you can imagine um and they were <sighs> emotional roller coaster right because they didn't they couldn't catch their final crappie they didn't have a bag of gills like they were they were pretty down on themselves but they were able to um because not that many other people had full bags i think I think they finished right in front of us again. I think they were fifth place and we were sixth. So um, it was good enough. I think they would have had to, they would have, they would have had to have lost like six places, I think, to have lost their TOI lead. And so by just finishing within the top six, kind of that was a lock for them. And uh, so then they were like super happy. Because they were, he, Tim, Chris was a little more stoic. Timmy was, he was a wreck and he was pretty pissed. He was not happy to go back into weigh in. Um, but then he, as he saw it shook out, and when they announced like the places, he was like, when once they knew they had a lock, he went from a frown and he turned it upside down pretty fast. He was a pretty happy boy once he realized they had locked in the team of the year. So, congratulations to them. That was awesome. And the Kenders Sportsman of the Year. I called this, um, I think it was on East Rush. Everybody was, um, not everybody, but like Joel was talking to Chris and Tim. And they're like, well, who do you think is going to be 
the sportsman of the year this year and, and I had given him my two people I thought that would that would have have gotten it. And I thought, okay, maybe Christina and if not Christina then it's uh Tony Freund. Both those people they volunteer for all the fam stuff. They're always there early, they're always helping people um throughout the the, the events and they're doing exactly what the sportsman of the year is supposed to be about. It's not about who weighs the biggest bag. Um, it, it really is about the element of being a good sportsman. Um, you know, good ethic, good work ethic, good moral ethics, willingness to help people. Um, just somebody who represents the club really, really well. And I think it was probably a tough decision because this is a decision that Jake and Paul, the founders of Minnesota made that they, they kind of hashed it out over a few drinks and uh, I'm sure they had a pretty tough decision to make, but ultimately Tony Freund um, was bestowed the honor, joined the ranks of the other sportsmen of the year. So welcome to the fold, sir. You well deserved. Um, so congratulations on that. And that concluded my ice fishing for the year because I went home. Um, packed up some stuff but i was just beat after my legs are so sore from walking through slush and everything else on goal like that lake was physical man holy smokes um yeah but so i was beat dead tired so monday morning i had to like shake my truck out of all the ice fishing stuff pack it up with all the hunting stuff because the spring conservation order is going and i was headed out i was supposed to head to south dakota but this colder, this winter just will not let go. And so the birds just aren't there. So I got sent down to Missouri and said, so I'm down here in Mound, Mound City, Missouri. And I just started guiding uh, yesterday. And uh, yeah, I got to deal with nice adult birds. It's pretty sweet. See a shit ton of birds. And you get to kill a couple. <laughs> it's pretty frustrating. But, you know, I I love the sights and sounds, man. It just it never gets old seeing those birds. It's just awesome. It, it can be frustrating, but at the end of the day, it's like, where can you get this show? I mean, this is the best show out there. It's it's just awesome. I mean, I had good clients. Um, pretty fun. It, you know, it's funny. There's a um a group of three girls that are up, and you know they're all married or boyfriends, or whatever they have. And I'm like, where? And they and they all hunt, you know, I'm like, well, they're from Wisconsin. So of course I started in with the Vikings and Packer stuff. And so once I realized like everybody hunts, their husbands hunt and everything, I'm like, why aren't they out here? And the one girl just looks at me dead face goes, they weren't invited. I was like, all right, then you, you do you. That's awesome. And girls were just like, you know what? We're going to go snow hunting. And they did it. Like that's, that's pretty badass. And it wasn't part of like, um, and this isn't like demeaning in this, but it's not like a, a women's organization or anything like they were just three ladies that like to hunt. And they're like, Hey, let's go do this. Didn't a girl trip. Didn't even invite the boys. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so they were pretty cool. We had some good laughs yesterday. Um, Brady's got them today. I think I have them for their last day or they have a half day tomorrow. So it's cold on here. Um, and it's going to get even colder because we got and the snow just like finally most of it melted off yesterday a little more melting off today we got sunshine and wind which chews up that snow really fast but we're under a winter storm watch and we we're supposed to get five to eight inches of snow overnight tonight so that's gonna be super awesome 
I just, you know what I don't like, no matter what, it's shaking snow out of decoys. That sucks. There's just no two ways around it because you're basically resetting the spread. You got to touch every single decoy. Ugh, it's just a night. Like, I'm half tempted, and there's no bullshit. I'm half tempted to just pick up the spread tonight. Just pick it up, be done with it, and set it back out tomorrow because I'm going to have to do that anyways. You got to pick every decoy up, shake it out, and stick it back in. Well, maybe I can skip the shaking out part. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I probably won't do that, but it's tempting. I am going to take the chairs out and the e-collar out for sure because I don't want them to get buried in snow. The only good part about it is I've had some really, really good hunts in the snow. Like, I hunt, I like to hunt in a good winter storm because these birds, and we're pretty close to the roost, to the, um, the preserve, so the refuge. These, and we're up on a big tall hill, so these birds are going to get up tomorrow and they're going to fly into that wind. It's going to bring them right to us, and they cannot fly high like these adult birds like to do. They're going to be low in that snow. They're not going to really be able to see decoys, but they're going to hear that sound, and usually they come right to it, and they not necessarily are trying to, like, decoy or trying to land in the field, but the fact that they can't fly high puts most of them in range already, so it's like glorified pass shooting, and you can you can have some pretty good days. So it's going to be interesting to see how tomorrow turns out. And miserable hunting conditions to be in it, and I'm sure it's going to be, like, wet, heavy snow, but... um. I think it's going to be worth it. Like, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. And then after that's going to suck because then it gets really cold. I think it's like single digit lows, maybe even below zero the next couple nights. So, yeah. But then we got to just get through the weekend and then temperature warms back up. And then these birds are going to really start pushing. So next week um, around here could be absolute fire. Um, there's going to be a lot of birds moving through to get these adults out of here. Hopefully get some juvies to move up. And then I would think uh, probably be moving up into South Dakota by the following weekend. So good, good, good. I get to play with adult birds again. <laughs> but it's more, it's more or less like getting the spreads on the ground and, and getting prepared than it is, than it is hunting. So um, there it is. You're all caught up. That's uh, that's what I got for you. Um, don't really have much for a rant. Uh, I do. I did see. Not to, not to beat a dead horse or a dead wolf. Did I just talk about this last time? I don't remember. But I did see that a judge, like, basically made animal rights organizations got the better of us again, and they added the wolves back to the endangered species list. So it's like, now states can't manage it again, at least except for the western states, which, again, doesn't make any freaking sense. I did, I did a big deep dive on this. I don't even know how long ago. So if you're new to the show, I'll just repeat it. And I'll, I'll boil it down to this. You can still manage wolves. This is how dumb it is. You can still manage wolves in the western states, even though now they're, like, endangered here in the Midwest and Minnesota. Minnesota has shit tons of wolves. To this point, Minnesota has more wolves than all of the western states combined. Yeah, you heard that right. Minnesota has more wolves than all of the western states combined. They can hunt them, trap them, manage them, and Minnesotans can't. That's some bullshit. And I don't know how this stuff... Get, like, This is the part about this kind of like political arena that we're in, or culture. You know, it's like the same people that'll give you the, you know, the whole mask bullshit, not to get into that, but then say stuff like follow the science, 
well, they don't follow the science when it comes to game management. So it's bullshit. Don't give me that. You're, you're either going to go along with science or you're not. Like, this just frustrates me to no end. So um, that's my rant. I'm not going to go back down. I think you can hear my voice, my stance on that. It's, it's, it's just fucking stupid. So that is that. Stay tuned. I have a solo, Nick J. Solo Waterfall Wednesday for you. Um, there might be a few of those while I am out here doing the Snow Goose thing because, honestly, I just I don't have time. I have a little bit of time to take a break, get something to eat at lunch, and then we head right back out. By the time you get back in, you're tired, getting ready for tomorrow, and then you sleep and wake up, and it starts all over again. It's not an excuse. It's just this is what's going on. And those who've been following, like there was a big gap in uh podcast last year during the spring snow goose season. I'm going to try to do a little better. Uh, so, so at least as far as waterfall Wednesday, I'm definitely going to be leaning on Nick for that. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to continue to give you content um, through this season and keep you updated about how things are going. If you want real time, updates if you haven't done so already you can follow me on snapchat uh, it's just Dale Luke Mill on snapchat and i usually that's kind of my go-to everyday updater so show some pile pics and this that and the other thing so it's kind of fun so all right everybody thank you very much for listening and i will leave you with this whatever your passion pursue it full scale